0: It's time to take off your clothes, enjoy clothes-free living, and join us for Naked, Nudist, and Naturist.
1: Welcome to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, the show that celebrates clothes-free living for all. I'm your host, Frank Stone.
0: And I'm your correspondent, Lisa Monroe, and I'll be reporting on all things within the naturist community. So it's time to get naked and join us
1: and enjoy clothes-free living on Naked, Nudists, and Naturists. Well, greetings and welcome in to Naked, Nudists, and Naturists, episode 21 today. Really glad that you are with us. We look forward to this time together, and we are glad that we can spend it together Brand new show every Saturday morning, 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Hit Spotify right away. That's the go-to place right out of the gate. And eventually it makes its way to every podcast platform under the sun. We also invite you to reach out to us on Twitter. You can find us there, Naked, Nudist, and Naturist. Also our email, again, a little fuzzy, a little unusual. But write us anyway. We'll write back. Nakedforevermore at gmail.com. And, of course, visit our website, naturist.com. As I like to say, come on in. The water is fine. Get your clothes off if you can and take in the show today. If you're in the grocery store or driving around, you better leave them on. But otherwise, clothes-free living for all the right reasons. We broadcast while we're nude. As you know, we've talked about that before. And if you're listening while nude, so much the better. Wherever you are, in your home, Maybe at a nudist resort, maybe at the nude beach, maybe outside your house in the backyard, sipping some iced tea or coffee. We are just glad that you are with us. Well, on today's show, we will talk to Naturist fiction author Will Forrest. You might remember he was a previous guest on Naked Nudist and Naturist right here. Well, he and Ted Bunn and Paul Z Walker, Paul Z Walker, run an anthology group, and they have another one they're gearing up for. And we're going to talk to Will Forrest in a brief interview this morning about this. And if you have an interest in writing for this anthology, Will Forrest will tell you all about it and how to proceed from here. We will also bring in our naturist correspondent, weekly correspondent, the terrific Lisa Monroe. She'll walk in smiling and dancing and just having a good time. That's why we bring her in. She brightens the place up. And we'll have part one of my interview with Pastor Jim Moore out of Texas. Does the Bible say it's okay to be nude? Does the Bible tell us we should be nude? Well, we'll talk to Pastor Jim Moore about that. He pastored a church for over 28 years and still involved in the ministry. Runs a website, nakedandunashamed.org. So part one of my interview with Pastor Jim Moore out of Texas, nakedandunashamed.org. We'll get to that during the show today. But for now, you are listening to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, episode 21. We thank you very much for being with us. love spending this time together every single Saturday or whenever you listen to the show. Let's get to my interview now with the terrific Will Forrest. You already know him. Naturist fiction author, has several books out there, runs this anthology group with a couple of other guys. And we're going to talk about the newest anthology right now. Naturist fiction author, Will Forrest. So let's head out uh, for a little bit to the great state of Oklahoma. We've had Will Forrest on the show before, talked about his naturist fiction books and also the anthologies that he and a couple of other gentlemen have put together. Well, we have another anthology coming up. We want to hear all about it and give you a chance, the listener, to begin the writing process. So let's uh, welcome him to the show this morning from Oklahoma, uh, naturist fiction author, Will Forrest. Good morning, Will. How are you today? Doing fine, Frank. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to have you here. So just when you guys put out four anthologies and you thought you might need a 25-year break, you decided, you know, what the heck, let's just go for another one,
2: right? Pretty much. That's right. There's been a lot of interest in these anthologies. They've done very well. And so, yeah, we've had people asking, when's the next one?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I've heard the same thing from people who have read them. They just want more. And what a lot of people don't understand is putting an anthology together on your end is a very huge, time-consuming deal, isn't it? It's not just something you do on a Saturday morning and call it good,
2: right? No, no, it's and it's a labor of love. Uh, there's a whole team of us that, that put these together. But yeah, we decided that we were ready with a new topic and that we could go ahead and, and put a timeline out there. So um, yeah, thanks for uh, having me on just to, to give a heads up about the timeline.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, today obviously is uh, Saturday, November 18th, our show today. And your first deadline is coming up in 12 days, November 30th. Maybe just tell us about that.
2: Right. The way that these are organized, uh, and th- this is the idea of my my fellow editor, uh, Ted Bunn, uh, is that the the first deadline is simply sending a message of interest so that we know how many more or less to anticipate. And that that deadline is coming up on November 30th the email address to send that well you can you know you can send something to me new scribe on twitter you can mm-hmm. send something to um to my colleague ted at it's the address is submissions at uk. just to let us know so we can we have an idea how many to anticipate but then the story itself um is not due until may 1st
1: okay all
2: right and yeah, we'll all those uh, uh links and
1: addresses are in the show notes so people can refer to that as well now the first deadline just a letter of interest like hi my, na- my name is bill Smith I'm interested in writing a story for your next anthology and that's really all they have to do this time right that's right
2: yeah. okay
1: now is that a hard and fast deadline let's say they you know january 1st it, you know I'd like to write a
2: story for that next anthology is it too late at that point November 30th is it it's a good question. I mean, if someone's got a story that's pretty much ready to go, and they let us know later on into the into the timeline, you know, that's fine. But for the for the most part, we can make things fit. Okay, and, and,
1: but it's really in, in their best interest to get it to you by November thirtieth, so you can begin to plan, right? Yeah, just to let us know that they're thinking about it by November thirtieth. That's right. Yeah, yeah. If you have a hundred stories come in or a hundred thousand, you need you need to plan accordingly. At least uh, your schedule. Yep. I'm guessing. Yeah. So what is this? Uh, a topic going to be
2: all about it. is there anything specific they have to start thinking about thanks for asking yeah so this this top this time we're doing a different topic we've done four anthologies so far the first one was called murder in the nudist colony the second one was <laughs> romance in the nudist colony the third one was holiday in the nudist colony and the fourth one was adventures without clothes this one has the title of beneath healing skies and the oh, idea here. Good is that well the subtitle is the benefits of being bare and that's because there are a lot of psychological physical mental emotional spiritual even benefits that we all know about as mm-hmm. practicing naturists and nudists. and the idea is to produce a story about some kind of uh, healing experience with naturism okay. so there's lots of you know it's, that's a wide range of experiences there okay and it is considered to be naturist fiction but they can bring life experiences into it uh, how, how do you recommend they do that that's a great question. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people who would like to, um, you know, write just a story that happened to them and there's no problem yeah. with that at all. Generally, we'd, we just want folks to fictionalize it a little bit, you know, change some of the names and dates. And the reason we do that is that it's a bigger tent. Not everyone's ready to just, uh, jump in and, and reveal uh, exact names and locations and dates and this kind of thing. So by putting right. the, the fiction, uh, dress on it, you know, we can have people just slightly change details and and submit their own stories. In fact, it's even possible if, if someone needs to, they don't have to use their real name. They can use a pen name or a pseudonym if they if they need to do that. You know, the idea still is to to bring in new voices, to bring in many voices and show the world what naturism is really about.
1: Now, as I understand it, a lot of the money,
2: it, maybe all of the money, I'm not sure,
1: but that, that comes in to buy these anthologies goes somewhere, right? You don't just put it in your pocket and
2: go off and buy a new yacht, I'm guessing, right? <laughs> yeah, no, actually, <laughs> every every cent that comes in goes to uh, Doctors Without Borders. Yeah, I and thought so, and, yeah. and according to Ted Bunn, the co-editor, uh, the four titles that we have out have already raised more than $5,000. Wow, very good. Is, that's that's very nice for yeah. for these kind of very niche uh, titles. I think that's a that's a great uh, um, figure. Are they able to give you any
1: publicity in return, or is naturism an area that they can't venture into because of what they're doing, or what?
2: That's a really good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, okay. Ted is the one who manages the the contact with them. Okay, and I'm just I'm just not sure about that, but uh, oh. I know they appreciate it.
1: Now, your your cohorts in uh, crime here, so to speak, or cohorts in Nature is Fiction,
2: is Ted Bunn and uh, Paul Z. Walker, is that right? Yeah, let me give them all a shout out. Paul. It was Paul's idea originally to do these anthologies, and Robert Longprey as well was very involved from the beginning, uh, helping set up the formatting. Ted and I became the editors, and uh, Fabian lutz Barabe became our cover artist, and he's continuing on in that capacity. He's also contributed a couple of, of stories. And then Linda Weber, since she got on uh, with the second volume, has been our most outstanding promoter of the anthologies.
1: Yeah, that's actually where I heard about it first when we interviewed her, I believe back in September, is uh, she told us about this. And that's what led us to you and uh, the the gentleman, the two of you sell a lot of books at the Nudist Resort in Oklahoma, D.H. Jonathan. The two of you. And in fact, you even sent a voicemail we played on one of our recent shows. We appreciate that a lot. Is uh, I'm guessing D.H. Jonathan's going to write a story, right?
2: Yes, and D.H. Jonathan has been involved, I think, since the th- the, maybe the third title. Yes, and, and, and right. many other terrific folks. And, and yeah. you know, it, that, that's the neat part about it, since it's, it's for charity. Um, that means that, you know, we have, some, we have some more established writers, but we also have folks who are sending in maybe their, their first story ever. Right. And that's great. That's, that's wonderful. That's exactly what we would like to do.
1: Now, that's an important thing to point out to prospective authors here, those who want to submit. You give every penny to Doctors Without Borders, so somebody submitting a story should not be expecting a check in the mail at some point, right? They know going
2: in, this money goes elsewhere. Yes, we do make that clear when we send send a response to their uh, initial message of interest, yes. Right, but they do get credit
1: for being a published author, and they can put that on their business card or on their website. I am a published author. I was in a naturist fiction anthology. And that lends to a lot of credibility for them, right?
2: Absolutely. Uh, I can think of a couple of cases where people have, have, um, you know, really, in fact, mentioned that specifically and really appreciated that fact that they can now call themselves a published author.
1: Yeah, that's the way to go. All right. So the first uh, deadline, if you want to be in this new anthology, is November 30th. And the addresses, links are in the show notes. Get your letter uh, of interest or inquiry or whatever you call it. What are you calling it, by the way? Uh, It's called Expression of Interest. That's good enough. Expression (laughs) of Interest by November 30th. So it's coming up in 12 days from today's show, November 30th, 2023. The next deadline, they have to have the story to you by May 1st. Is that right?
2: Yeah, no later than May 1st, 2024. And the publication date we have in mind is 4th of July. Wow. Okay, that's a fairly
1: aggressive timeline from uh, May first to the fourth of July for you guys. I mean, the authors will be done at that point, but you guys are going to be working. I'm guessing burning the midnight oil at that point, right?
2: Well, we yeah we the authors are still involved in the sense that we we might have to send a follow up message to them and ask for a few few little tweaks and changes. But yeah, that that's the, the onus is on us at that point. Okay. And then what's the prece- procedure from there? Uh, you do a lot of editing, and Ted does a lot of editing as well? Yeah, we both do a, a run-through of each piece um, and, and get in touch with the authors as needed. And um, and then we've got a final version that gets formatted, and, and uh, Ted is the one who, who does all the uh, taking care of that because we, we format it both for paperback and for Kindle. Oh, very
1: good. Yeah, that, that does take a while. Well, this is exciting. Can't wait. Uh, so, so the target date for publication is the 4th of July, but the first date for our listeners, November 30th. Submit your note. Uh, again, the links are on the uh, the show notes. If you're interested in writing a story for the next anthology with the Naturist Fiction Group, and tell us again uh, what the projected title is of this, one.
2: Beneath Healing Skies. Stories right. about how naturism is a healing practice, psychologically, mentally, socially, physically, all that. Okay, and they need to
1: keep with that theme, right? They can't get too outlandish and go off the, the deep end. That's right. You want them to keep with that theme. And, and just for kicks, the first uh, three books, I think, uh, mentioned the words nudist colony and th- that's sort of a an inside joke isn't it among naturists and nudists
2: yeah we still get angry people about those titles every once in a while we when we, <laughs> we were selling books dan and i were selling books uh early last month yeah. somebody walked by the table and said i want to register a complaint we don't live in nudist colonies we're not, we're not ants <laughs> We just kind of just kind of laughed it off because I, I don't think that person was going to understand the joke. But, but no. yeah, it's it's an inside joke. Exactly. Tongue yeah. in cheek kind of reference. Uh, the one that we did the first one, we wanted it to have kind of a retro feel to it. And that that was part of the title.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's terrific.
2: It's, it's an
1: inside joke because they used to call them that all the time. Nudist colony. Oh, boy, you go there. And and so it's become an inside joke. Just thought we'd point that out. Well, it's been great to have you today. We hope people are excited about this. We hope you get a lot of submissions or at least uh, letters of interest. Hey, I want to write a naturist story. So November 30th, you have to get it in. And then by May 1st, they need to get their story to you, right? No later than May 1st. That's right. Thanks again so much, Frank. Really help you. Really appreciate your help in getting the word out about this. Oh, you bet. We thank you for being here again. Uh, this is naturist fiction author Will Forrest, and we're talking about the next anthology. And uh, best wishes, maybe keep us in mind keep us in touch we'll get you on again as it gets closer to the submission start date of may 1st and we'll talk about and how's it going do you have a hundred stories do you have a million stories what are you looking at and we'll get you back on sure thing all right you bet uh, nature is fiction author will forrest will have a great day let's talk again soon thanks you too you bet What a terrific guy. One of the genuine, really good people out there. Will Forrest, naturist, fiction author. If you want to write for an anthology, now is your time. Get your letter of interest in by November 30th, and you have all the way till May 1st to write your story. How about that? The terrific Will Forrest, and we thank him for his time on this show. You're listening to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, episode 21 today. Enjoying clothes-free living, and working, and playing for all of the right reasons. Glad you're with us today. We enjoy this time together. I keep saying that because it's so true. We look forward to your feedback. We look forward to spending time with you. Well, as you can tell by the music that is sneaking in on us, Lisa Monroe is here. So let's get to it right now. Our weekly correspondent on naturism, the terrific Lisa Monroe. So here she is. In all of her clothes-free, for the right reasons, glory and smiling, as always, and even dancing, even though we have no video I can't show you, our weekly correspondent, Lisa Monroe. Hello, Lisa. How are you today?
0: I'm doing terrific, Frank. And if you didn't play such great music, I wouldn't dance in and out of the <laughs> studio. So what can I tell you? It's your fault. You're the reason. <laughs> I
1: accept full responsibility. And Good. Probably so. Probably so, I, I might add. Good. Well, why don't we get down to business right away? We have... Uh, A fairly sad email we want to share. We don't want to bring this show to a screeching halt and bring sad information. But this is a story that I hear a lot, over and over and over again, kind of a lot. So I thought we'd share this and get some views from you, what you think about this. Basically, the husband loves naturism, wants to be naked 25 hours a day, and the wife says, absolutely not, not going to do this. And so he started off uh, his life as a kid and even into his teens. It sounded like he had a lot of experience with naturism, the YMCA, nude swimming, went to camps where they were swimming naked all the time, just typical boy behavior, no big deal. And then he was into life drawing for a while and uh, a fairly artistic guy, then got married, had some kids, had some medical issues. And then reading some of the emails, he says, I think naturism would be a return to the happy, carefree time in my life. And I do prefer the term naturism, as for me, it's spiritual, and it's a return to nature. My wife, on the other hand, is beyond terrified, and she has banned the discussion of the topic. In her house, meaning when she was a kid, doors were locked when people were changing, so there wasn't even a possibility of seeing anyone else naked, and she only got naked to shower. And I'm skipping along here, and then he says, Two years ago, I stumbled upon a Discovery Channel show called Buying Naked, and it reignited me. Soon after, I found the Naturist Living Show podcast, and then recently, You Folks. And if it's okay with you, Lisa, why don't you go ahead and read from there?
0: Okay. He continues. My wife is super self-conscious, having grown up the only redhead in the the family, tall and very skinny. I know she was teased about her looks at a young age. This is probably a terrible thing to say, but she often holds uh, negative views based on people's appearances, all constructive behaviors based on social media acceptance, her own bullying experiences and so forth, and was really wrapped up about seeing old or heavy set naturist. She has the potential to grow so much based on what I've read and over the past few years, but refuses to even investigate the topic. Our last conversation pivoted from the fear of what other people would look like to a position that marriage means for my eyes only. Her refusal leaves me feeling a step beyond rejection as someone that genuinely cares for her. If I was being selfish and just wanted to be naked for my own bliss and she said no, that would be one thing. But knowing it would be healthy for her and feeling that naturism is the right thing in my heart and then getting the refusal just seems like a heavier blow.
1: Okay, I'll take it from there. I often think if I could just get her to listen to one of the many podcasts, maybe her misconceptions could be erased or eased at least. But even this is a bridge too far. And the next uh, paragraph is yours, and we'll finish it up from there.
0: Who knows what one day the clouds will part, and she will give it a try. Till then, I live vicariously through you and the other podcasters on the topic. And um, just imagine a day where the two of us walking hand-in-hand on a beach somewhere like Adam and Eve did.
1: Yep, and we hear this story a lot. Now, I I have a very good friend of mine. Right after college, he took a job, fairly high-level job, that was going to involve a lot of travel. And he was single, had no wife, no kids, no responsibilities other than himself. And eventually he got a cat. So it was the two of them for a while. (laughs) But he had to travel a lot, as in almost every week. He was gone sometimes the entire week, flew them home for weekends and had to go back out. And other times he'd be gone two or three weeks at a time. It's just the life he led. He accepted it and enjoyed it in at least the first 10 years of his career. Well, at some point he met this woman. And they started going out and, you know, what do you do? What do you do? All that stuff. And he explained what he did. You know, I travel a lot and I really enjoy it. It's part of my job and it's a thrilling part of my job. I, again, I enjoy it. Oh, okay. No problem. You know, whatever. And they they eventually fell in love and got married. After they were married a few years, she she said, I've about had enough of this travel stuff. And then they had the big discussion. Hey, wait a minute. I told you, like on our first date, I travel all the time. This is not something I just threw at you. It's part of who I am. It's part of what I do for a living. And they had some issues with it, and no need to get into how they resolved it. But that can be compared here, too, to this naturism thing. I don't know if this guy told her before he got married. But what do you recommend? You're, you're the woman in this case, obviously. A husband wants to be naked as a jaybird. The woman, absolutely, don't even bring up the topic. What do you recommend? What can be done?
0: Well, I'm not sure in some cases what can be done because there has to be willingness on both sides to work to some sort of medium. But I'm kind of of two schools of thought about this. Mm-hmm. If, if in, in a relationship, whether the husband, wife, boyfriend, whatever, set tells is up front and says, I do this. And you know that going in, I've seen far too many wives of doctors and police officers and and people, military, who have, you know, known what they were getting into. I'm going to be career military. I'm a firefighter. I'm going to be gone for 24 hours every 48, you know, those kind of things. And yet at some point in time, maybe when kids come or when other responsibilities come, then all of a sudden it's like, you're not here. You have to stay here. You can't do what you want to do. And, you know, I've always said when we grow up, we should not put away the things we enjoyed as a child. We just don't have to be childish about them. And so if it's something that he really wanted, if he's really into naturism and he did not tell her going in, they could have made that decision then. Maybe it wasn't the right match. You know, love can be blind at times, and you have to consider what's going to happen down the road. And we don't often think of that. But I think he's in a real quandary. And I'm not real sure until perhaps listening to some of the women in naturism that we've, you know, had, we've interviewed and other people have talked to. Maybe those would be some ways to get her to listen, but apparently she won't even listen. So I think you have to be upfront, you have to discuss things, and then you have Mm -hmm. to compromise and figure out how you both deal with it.
1: Now, he did mention in the one paragraph, which uh, we did not read, Now, I didn't blindside my wife on the topic on day one, but over the course of the marriage, I've dropped big clues. And he says at the end of the paragraph, all of these were laughed off. That might be the issue. He didn't tell her. And then all of a sudden, after marriage, after kids, after medical issues, oh, by the way, well, that's a huge surprise, isn't it, for any woman, any man?
0: It's a very big surprise. And when you look at um, she grew up not – too dissimilar to the way I did. I, you know, there was no nudity in my family. Um, you know, if if my dad was going to take a shower, then I had to stay where I couldn't accidentally see him scooting across the hallway or anything. It yeah. was kind of a thing, but I also wasn't given a bad body image by them, and they weren't prudes in the fact, you know, that they insisted on covering up all the time or being very straight laced. So there's some differences there, but but there is a difference in growing up in a community where or an an environment where naturism is not a thing, where it's just not a thing. And it's just, um, it's really a tough situation for him. And I'm not sure I have an answer. Uh, Maybe someone else knows and has been through this and has some some advice.
1: All right. Well, a couple of things then. So it sounds like he did not tell us our first piece of advice to everybody else, except uh, this gentleman, we're going to call him Sam. He didn't want his name used. Uh, Sam, this part won't help you now, but it could help everybody else who's before the step you were some years ago. Be upfront about it. Tell your prospective spouse, your girlfriend, if you're falling in love. Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. you know, I do this and uh, hopefully they'll be into it. And if not, that's when you have that discussion, not 20 years into it. And and that would be the advice for everybody else. Be upfront. And we talked on a previous show, whether you mention it the first date or not, say, I I I think you should. Because if it's something, if it's the lifestyle that you lead, it's not weird. It's actually normal to do that. If that's your lifestyle, just drop it in. Oh, You know, by the way, I'm a naturist. I live clothes-free all the time. And if the other person, you know, grabs their belongings and makes a beeline out of the restaurant, well, you probably saved yourself years of grief. I'm guessing you agree with that.
0: I do. And and I think in... Honesty is always the best policy, and how anyone can create a relationship based on anything less than total honesty with each other is is just doomed for problems down the road.
1: Yeah, bring everything up front. For example, you could say if you enjoy football in uh, USA, it's American football. Mm-hmm. I have season tickets to this team and that team, and every Saturday I'm at a game, and every Sunday I'm at a game in the fall. You drop that the first date and she Mm -hmm. can say, assuming it's a man telling a woman, well, great, I like football. Let's go. Or she can say, you know, football is a waste of time and they can have a discussion early and it might even be a relationship killer. Well, it's better to kill it early than after 15, 20 years of marriage, right?
0: Absolutely. It's just, um, it's very sad because I think a lot of times people get caught up in that, that lust of the moment that, you know, romantic thing and happens which is a wonderful thing to happen but it needs to happen between the right people not the wrong people and Mm -hmm. you know who's to say what's right or wrong i mean delving into some psychological things here that you know i'm certainly not qualified to to comment on other than personal opinion but i just just got to be honest and i think Mm -hmm. had he been honest early on then she may have come around a little bit easier. But now she's very set in her patterns. And there is a, an adage that the older we get, the harder it is to change us. And yeah. it's um, I'm, I'm just afraid that he is not going to be able to realize what he wants. And apparently he desperately wants to get back to that that feeling that naturism gives him.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, he mentioned a couple of years ago he found the Naturist Living Show. That's the one with Stéphane Duchesne out of... Mm-hmm. Is Bear Oaks Family Naturist Resort by Toronto, and then recently discovered our show. And what we try to do with this show, it's a big part of why we exist, is to let people know this is normal. Some friends of ours might dispute this next statement, uh, Lisa, but we're normal human beings.
0: Yes, we are. <laughs> and some may dispute people. that.
1: <laughs> yeah. we're, we're just regular people.
0: This and is doing true. close to a living for all
1: the right reasons. And so maybe that's an answer, too. If he can get his wife to listen to a show or two, either ours or uh, Stefan's or both, and just listen, listen to intelligent people discuss it, not just the two of us, uh, but all of our guests. Listen to what our our guests have said. Every guest we've had has been well-spoken, very intelligent, and enjoys close, free living for all the right reasons. Nobody, no weirdos here, no psychos have appeared on the show and never will. And so maybe that's part of it, too. Just that's how you can normalize it by listening to normal people who actually do it and discuss it what do you think
0: i think that's exactly what what she needs to do she needs to accept the fact that it that naturism is not an aberration it's a normal thing and but it's a normal thing for people who enjoy it and once you can get past that fear, i mean we all had that fear the first time we went oh i'm gonna take my clothes off here are you kidding me but maybe you know i had that experience when i was uh in high school of of seeing a bunch of guys strip off and go swimming in the swimming hole. So, right. you know, I had that break of, you know, that sort of barrier early and maybe she never had that. And right. maybe her family was extremely restrictive. So, you know, there's just some things that are ingrained and hard to overcome yeah. unless that person is willing. So how do you get that? And maybe if she heard you know, some of these women talk about their their problems in their in their former lives and how they made the transition and what it's meant to them now. Yeah. would be a good help. So I hope you can get her to listen
1: all right. Well, very good. So the first key is to be up front. And if you didn't do that, then get her to listen to one of our shows or Stefan's show or some other shows out there and get them to listen to It's kind of a normal deal, and we're regular people expressing it. And uh, a story that is told often, but there are resolutions. Well, Lisa, we have to run today. A whole bunch going on. Our uh, weekly correspondent in Nature's, i Lisa Monroe. Stay clothes-free. Stay smiling. We'll see you next time.
0: Okay, Frank. Take care, and uh, we'll see you soon.
1: All right. Thank you. A terrific Lisa Monroe. What a terrific person and a great writer, by the way. We're just glad that she's here with us on this show every single week, and we thank Lisa Monroe for all of her time today. You're listening to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, Episode 21 today. Thank you very much for being with us. And now let's head to Part One of my interview with Pastor Jim out of Texas. All about naturism, nudism, close free living for all of the right reasons. From the Bible. How about that? Does the Bible say we could be naked, should be naked? Well, let's find out. From Pastor Jim from Texas, from his website, nakedandunashamed.org. Pastor Jim. So we're going out to uh, Texas today, a big big state out there. We're going to talk to Jim today. He at one time was an evangelical pastor and uh, believes in the Word of God, the Holy Bible, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Yes, we're going to hear those terms during this interview today. A whole bunch of times. And we're going to talk about, is it okay to be naked in God's view and God's word? A lot of people will say no. Well, you're naked. You're sinning. Well, Jim has a different take on that. We're going to talk to him right now. So I'm from Texas. Let's welcome Jim. Good morning, Jim. How are you today, sir?
3: Good morning, Frank. It's good to be here,
1: brother. Glad to have you here. Now, is that a basic good opening premise? Oh my gosh, you're naked, you're sinning, and you say, well, that's 100% wrong. Is that fairly good opening
3: well it is now but i will tell you you know we didn't always believe that way um you know i as a pa- i pastored for 28 years uh yeah. director of precious seed ministries right now a, a gospel attract printing ministry and and we became naturists because some friends of ours actually asked us to talk someone out of being um and so our our beginnings were way back in in the day. Uh, we, we were at a business meeting on a Friday night. And after the business meeting, this lady says to me, she says, um, you're a pastor, right? I said, uh, yeah. Yeah. She says, I have a favor to ask, but it's going to seem a little weird. I said, <laughs> oh, okay. She says, um, my family are, are they're My sister and her husband and their family, they're nudists. And she was like whispering the word. Cause you can't sure. say the word. Right. Sure. And, um, I said, uh, okay. She says, would you help me straighten them up? Would you help me, you know, talk them out of this? I said, well, sure. I'd be glad to help you with it. Yeah. But give me a week. Let me do a thorough Bible study on the subject. I don't want to go in unprepared. So right. let's get back together next Friday night. I'll have my study done. We can compare notes, and then we'll we'll game plan how to straighten them up. Think <laughs> that didn't quite work out the way <laughs> I expected it would. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, we we went to work the next morning. My wife. uh and I went to work the next morning studying the Bible together on the side because we, you know, we drove the whole drive home was like, well, that is weird. You know, we've heard of nudists, yeah. but we, you know, we'd never, never met anybody that had any family was, that, you know, that were nudists. Right. <laughs> and so, so we, uh, we started the next morning and what we found actually shocked us that there was a lot of mention in the Bible about nudity and, and, and not in a negative way, right? A lot of the verses that can be taken out of context refer to sexual immorality, but not nudity, not simple, basic nudity. Right. And in fact, you know, God called the Bible very good from the very God the he called the body very good from the very beginning. Yeah. And it's Satan that kind of distorted that view, turned it into something dirty and sexual. God turned it into something good. Yeah and Satan turned it into something sexual and shameful and dirty and bad. We're trying to restore that image now, but that was not how we started, brother.
1: Yeah, you went in to get people away from naturism, and the end result is you became a fully blown naturist for all of the right reasons, biblically speaking.
3: My wife has a phrase, and, and she's absolutely right. If God is for it, then we are for it. If God is against it, then we're against it. And the only source for that information should be the Word of God. It it shouldn't be the pulpit or the pastor or the teacher or the professor. They can all be wrong, but the Mm -hmm. Bible's not wrong. Right. And so we took an honest, serious, deep dive into the Word of God, and what we found wasn't what we had been told.
1: (laughs) Well, I've told people uh, because they'll begin with, well, I think that, and I'll stop them. I don't care what you think. I don't even care what I think. I just want to know what God said. And that's right. what I'm going to do. And so start at the very beginning, then. Uh, well, two things. First of all, every baby I know of, unless there's some science journal hidden somewhere, every baby right. I've ever heard of is born naked. Plus, we go back to the very beginning. Adam and Eve were just naked 24-7. Right. So how did we get from that? Because you know, if, if God had Adam and Eve naked and has every baby naked, it's probably okay, right? Not only okay, but encouraged. Or are we off base here?
3: Well, the, the argument is made. Well, God clothed them, and so He wanted us clothed, yeah. right? And and we talk about in our Bible study and and on our website the fact that you know if that's all you get from the account of of God removing Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden and that, that well God clothed them, so that's that. Well, now we have to be clothed. If that's the end of the story, then you missed the entire point, Yeah. right, is that God knew the climate would be changing now, and he loved his children enough to say, this is going to be okay. You yeah. might need some clothes sometimes if you're going to walk through thorns. Yeah. You might need some clothes sometimes if it's 20 below outside and the, and the snow is neck high on a 10-foot Indian. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're going to need clothes yeah. as a means of protection, and I'm here to provide your protection. You know, if if all you got was, well, God clothed them, then you missed all the other examples of the commonplace of nudity in scripture. I'm not talking about one or two examples. If it was one, you might call it an exception. Yeah. But it's not one. It's over and over again, Old Testament and New Testament, the commonplace of the naked body. Mm-hmm. This whole thing that we experience today in Western civilization is an oddity, right? It's it's not the norm in history. We didn't treat the body this way until the last couple hundred years.
1: Now, one thing I noticed that jumped right out at me in uh, referring to your website, nakedandunashamed.org, I've read through that multiple times in preparation uh, for our discussion today. You talked about the prophets removing their robes before they preached. Now, in my head, if I go somewhere to talk to somebody, and, and it's cold, so I wear a coat, and I go inside, okay, I take my coat off, and now I start talking. Well, I still have on a shirt, a pair of pants, some underwear, socks, and shoes. Right. But back then, they didn't have that. They didn't have, uh, you know, Amazon delivery or anything like that. They didn't even have pants back then. They yeah. just yeah. had robes. That's all they wore. And yeah. so when the Bible says he took off his robe and started preaching, that does mean he was preaching
3: totally nude, correct? Well, yeah, 1 Samuel nineteen twenty four is referring to King Saul when he gets to where the, the, the Samuel was, where the prophets were prophesying. It says, and he, meaning King Saul, uh, he stripped off his clothes also and prophesied before Samuel in light manner and laid down naked all that day and all that night. Wherefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? The assumption that King Saul was a prophet was based on the fact that he was naked. Wow. Meaning then that the prophets were naked while prophesying. And the 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 root word of testify is testes. It's literally, it was the lie detector of the day. You could tell if a prophet was telling you the truth based on the condition of his naked body. Mm-hmm. And so they they saw King Saul get naked and prophesying, and all the other prophets were naked. So they said, Wow, King Saul must be a prophet because he's naked. Yeah. Which meant that it was commonplace for the <laughs> prophets right. to be naked while prophesying. Totally normal.
1: Now there was exactly. a there's a guy in the Bible by the name of Isaiah, kind of a big name in the Bible.
3: <laughs> kind of even, a big name.
1: Even has his own chapter. I don't have a chapter, you don't have one, but Isaiah did. Yep. <laughs> Fairly important. Yep. And I read on your website he was basically naked for three straight years, never had any clothes on at all while he was doing his thing, right?
3: And these Hebrew words in both cases, with King Saul and Isaiah, the word "naked" means as a baby is born. That's the literal interpretation, mm-hmm. and well. so we know that they were naked as as you know, fully naked. Because what you'll hear uh, amongst pastors today when trying to explain Isaiah away is, well, he had his he had his underwear on. Oh, yeah. really? Well, it says, at the same time spake the Lord by Isaiah, the son of Amos, saying, Go and loose thy sackcloth from off thy loins, and put off thy shoe from thy foot. And he did so walking naked and barefoot. My servant Isaiah hath walked naked and barefoot three years. Yeah. So just in case you thought maybe he had his underwear on, it says (laughs) barefoot too.
1: (laughs) It's
3: true. Just so we're, you know, naked and barefoot. This is completely naked. Now think about this. Can the Lord command someone to sin? No, God will not command anyone to sin. Yeah. If naked and barefoot was a sin, then God had just commanded Isaiah to sin, and that will not happen. It cannot.
1: Happen. No, no, not at all. And so we started off totally naked. The Bible talks about the prophets and other people totally naked. How in the world did we get from that to what we have today, which is a multi-billion dollar fashion industry? You have to have the right pants, the right shirt, the right dress, the right. You have to have the right everything, because being naked isn't an option. We don't even hear about that anymore, except on shows right. like this or, or, or like mine. How did we get from the beginning to where we are now?
3: I think largely because Christians bought into Satan's second line. So Satan's first lie when confronting Adam and Eve was, well, thou shalt not surely die. They had told uh, Satan in the day that we eat the fruit, we're going to die because that's what God had told them. God didn't lie to them. God was talking on a spiritual level that the day they ate of that fruit, they would spiritually be dead. They would lose the perfect condition and the perfect relationship they had with God. And that day they would be in need of a savior, someone to die in their place Mm -hmm. because they were now dead. Someone that would be risen from the dead so that we would then rise with Christ as well. So the first lie was, well, you're not going to die. And guess what? So they ate the fruit and they didn't die. I preached a sermon at this year's Christian nature retreat at Cypress Cove called, God Lied and Adam Died. Well, God didn't really lie, but from Adam and Eve's perspective, they ate the fruit, they didn't die, so Satan must have been right. The first glance was, oh my word, we're not dead. He was right. Well, their eyes were open, and Satan says, now listen, now that you have the knowledge of good and evil, now that you're smart like God is, you can see this nakedness is bad. You need to cover up. Yeah. Why? Because Satan hates the image of God. Mm-hmm. And we bear that image. We were at Sight and Sound Theater many, many, many years ago. And they were doing the creation story. And my wife and I said, man, how in the world are they going to do creation at Sight and Sound without being naked? Right. <laughs> so we, we went more out of morbid curiosity than anything. But we're sitting there going, and so they, Adam is created, and, and Eve is then brought in uh, out of Adam's rib. And sure enough, Sight and Sound Theater in Strasburg, Pennsylvania, comes out, and they are in a nude bodysuit. They looked naked, yeah. and I was I was pretty impressed because right? they they obeyed the law, but yet they presented the naked bodies of Adam and Eve on stage in a live performance. Mm-hmm. It was really quite impressive. But during this thing. They have Adam and Eve and, and God talking, you know, Jesus is fellowshipping with his creation. And when they talk about the fact that we were created in his image, it shows Jesus bringing Adam over to a little pool of water. And he, he has Adam look down into the pool and it's still, in, he sees his own reflection. And Jesus says to Adam, what do you see? As he's looking at his own reflection. And Adam's response is, I see you. Yeah. Wow. I, Frank, I get goosebumps when I even think about it. Oh, yeah. The, the very visualization that we were made in the image and likeness of God. Well, Satan hates that image. Yeah. So it would make sense for if Satan's first lie worked, thou shalt not surely die, then why not double down and get our second lie covered right and and take away the beauty of of the image of God? Plant a dirty, shameful image in its place because now, if our private parts, quote unquote, are dirty and shameful and horrible and not to be viewed, maybe we can even stop procreation and we won't create any more of these little images of God. Maybe we can make this dirty. So, from the beginning, that's been the lie, right? Well, in modern times, now we see the church propagating Satan's lie, not God's truth. God's truth was. Adam and Eve, naked and unashamed in the garden, and God called it very good. Mm -hmm. Satan's lie was shameful to be hidden. Fear God. Don't run back to him. They had a choice. When they disobeyed their parent, their choice was run back to God and get forgiveness Mm -hmm. or run away and hide. Satan convinced them to run away and hide and even to put some camouflage on to try to hide better. Yeah. Don't go back to the father. Run away and hide. Yeah. And so that's that's the lie we're still propagating in, in Christian circles today is we're propagating Satan's lie. We're not propagating God's truth. How do we know this? Because when God showed up on the scene, he said to Adam and Eve, who told thee? Yeah, right. I'm sorry. I told you this was very good. Yeah. I made you in my image, not to be ashamed of my image. Right. Who told you this was wrong? Who told yeah. you you should hide in shame? Who told you? Because it wasn't Adam, Eve, even it wasn't God. Yeah. The only other player in this in this film is Satan. So yeah. Satan told them. Yeah. And and obviously we're not to believe Satan's lie, but that's ah, no. that's what society did.
1: That's right. Now you mentioned also on your website about the early baptisms and they were basically done in the nude. You, you you had your clothes off when you were baptized. And I know uh, churches over the years have evolved into just a little bit of water on the forehead, uh, maybe full immersion, but you're going to be closed. I even went to a church, uh, left the church about 15 years ago, this particular place, and uh, the pastor got up, and they had full immersion. They had a, some kind of baptismal pool uh, off to the left of the altar, and when you walked up there, you got fully in, and you know, the pastor dunked you backward, and you, know, you were baptized. And he made the announcement, we're going to be doing this next week. And he said women in particular, well, he told everyone to dress down a little. You know, don't wear a suit or a fancy dress and, you know, dress down a little. He said, but women, no white T-shirts and be sure that you have on a bra. Well, that's totally different from the early church and nude baptisms,
3: isn't it? Uh, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> when you think about the fact that we were born naked yeah, and that we should be born again naked, yeah. um that we were innocent and pure in the sight of God and now we're innocent and pure in the sight of God that suddenly the the symbolism begins to make sense you're born again when you get saved yeah. and um the, the the baptism by immersion I, I frank I want I got to inter- interject here yeah. I was able to do my first proper baptism service yeah. at our Cypress Cove retreat this year we had yeah. baptism yeah, service yeah. in the nude at Cypress yeah. Cove in the lake yeah. Uh, after one of our services, we had a bunch of folks that had been saved and accepted Jesus Christ. And so we baptized them. Uh, we had some folks that wanted to be baptized as God intended and from the beginning. Uh, and so we baptized, we re-baptized yeah. a few as well at the same time. But oh, that's great. It was a great service. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. But yes, the answer is, in fact, the rule was that you were not allowed to take anything from Earth. Except your body down into the water, because you were born the first time without anything Mm -hmm. that you should be born again. The second time without anything, you were not allowed allowed to take jewelry. You were not allowed to take any clothing, any article, nothing. You went down as naked as the day you were born to be born Mm -hmm. again, if you will. And that's symbolic. Obviously, a person is born again when they accept Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. They, the baptism is more symbolic of that, right? It, it symbolizes, and this is the reason for immersion, the death on the cross in the upright position, the burial in the tomb laying down, and the resurrection three days later. And so baptism is symbolic of the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Yeah. And so we, we baptize, I've always baptized by immersion, but only recently baptized um, by immersion naked and unashamed. Yeah the way it should be done you know from the beginning
1: Yeah oh, that's very good Now you've done a lot of work in uh, coaching teaching pastoring especially men against pornography and the dangers and how to get out of that and it's really hard to explain to people who are who don't believe this who are not believers if you have a bunch of uh, naked people sitting around where's the need there's no pornography just not it just doesn't happen because the whole naturism lifestyle the the mental state is totally different it's when you put clothes on now things are hidden now it becomes hey i wonder what's under that t-shirt i wonder what's and before you know it now the thoughts go to wow i gotta see her naked oh boy i gotta and then it evolves from there and just kind of spins out of control and then that's when pornography gets in and then that's where you come in right and uh, have you seen that too? And how many—not how many people, but how deeply are people affected by that?
3: Uh, it's, a, it's a great question, and it seems counterintuitive. We've kind of coined the phrase: "The problem is the solution." Right? Is yeah. a, a renewed mind, um, as it relates to the body, changes, and, and, I, and again, I'm, desexualizes the mind. It desexualizes so Here's the problem: we today we have a Pavlov's dog situation where. The experiment was done by Pavlov, and, and what he did was he would ring a bell every time he fed the dogs. Ring the yeah. bell, feed the dogs. Ring the bell, feed the dogs. And literally over and over and over and over and over and over and over again to condition the dogs to associate the ringing of a bell with feeding the dog. Mm-hmm. It got so, so effective that Pavlov could ring the bell, and the without feeding the dogs, the dogs would still salivate. They knew the sound of the ringing of the bell meant food. Yep. And so they would begin salivating just by hearing a bell ring. They didn't need yep. to see food, smell food, hear food, anything. Right. The ringing of the bell created the mindset in the dog that there must yep. be food coming. Yep. What we've done today in society is that the only time people are naked is for sex. So yep. Yep. we've conditioned the mind to think naked equals sex, naked yep. sex, naked yep. sex. Yeah. Yep. And, and by becoming a naturist, by normalizing nudity, by making it commonplace, now nakedness is for mowing the lawn or planting the garden or collecting tomatoes or washing the dog or walking the dog or, yeah. you know, suddenly... Every day, all day activities are to be done in the nude. You know, yeah, my yeah. wife and I, we we run the tractor in the nude. We mow in the yeah. nude. We, we yeah. do everything we do on this property, bad weather exception, right? If yeah, it's cold, right. then we're wearing clothes outside. Or if we're right. weed whacking and throwing around all kinds of hard objects, yeah. then, you know, my, she, my wife will wear a pair of pants and no top, right? Because there's, right. there's no need for that. Right. And so we've made nudity equal with everyday activities. And so yeah. there is no sexual response to nudity.
1: That's yeah.
3: Sex is now more about our spiritual connection and our friendship rather than just a physiological response to nudity. Yeah. We've desexualized the mind. Yeah. And there are some fantastic websites like mychainsaregone.org. Um, As well as ours, that can talk about and literally walk you through the process of how the mind is renewed to see the body as God sees it as very good and as non sexual. I mean, let's face it, sex is a very, very, very small percentage of our overall time spent during the day, week, year, month. Right. And and so it's, (laughs) we literally do everything in the naked and unashamed condition that God intended from the beginning. And porn, the porn addiction is broken automatically. There's no struggle. In fact, there's a there's a new book out by Phil Oak that that is called "Surprised into Freedom," and he okay. deals specifically with this subject of. Breaking the porn addiction in the church's view, the traditional church's view, is very difficult, right? It's a serious yes. addiction, it's hard to overcome. You'll need accountability partners and prayer and, and yeah. help and struggle. You're you're gonna really struggle through this process. Yeah. And this book, Surprised into Freedom, talks about the fact that no, there's no struggle. Yeah. That when nudity becomes commonplace and non-sexual, the mind is changed about this subject. You see people as God sees them, and porn is no longer effective. It has no hold on you.
1: That's very well said. Well, I remember way back in the 70s, which I like to tell people is way before I was born, but I really can't get away with that anymore, but I try. Uh, but I remember sitting in church, and a guy got up there to speak. He wasn't the, uh, the pastor, the minister. He was uh, just a lay person making announcements, and he talked about what he called pornography, And he said, there's a meeting tonight to discuss pornography. And everybody was kind of laughing, like God doesn't even know how to pronounce the word. It was still fairly new, at least in society. That must have been around for years before that, right? Did it just start becoming prevalent as we got into the 60s and 70s? Or do you know that answer?
3: Well, I think the advent of the, you know, the the ease ability of printing and, and color photography and magazines was oh, yeah. the lead into that, and and then now today, obviously, with the yeah. advent of the Internet and, and being able to access pornography as easy as a couple clicks on your computer, yeah. um, you know, we've made it easier uh, to get a hold of. used to be you had to go into one of those places and those yeah. stores to be able yep. to access it, um, and access is easier, and so I think it has become easier to become addicted to it.
1: Yeah. Well, there was this uh, bookstore not too far from our house, maybe within a mile. And it was a really good bookstore. They had everything you needed, not too big, but it had everything you needed. And we went there fairly often. It was a great store. Then all of a sudden there was this room in the back with a curtain over it said, you must be 18 or 21, whatever to enter. And I was 10. And I remember asking my parents about that. Well, why do you have to be 21 to go in there? Well, you just do. Don't worry about it.
3: (laughs) They didn't want to tell me what
1: was in there. Right. And of course, then I became more curious, like I have to know what's in there. Now, I didn't dare walk in there because my life would have ended right on the spot, and no uh, judge would have convicted my parents <laughs> for doing the deed right, right. But that's what that whole thing does, isn't it? That's basically your point?
3: Well, it's funny, Frank, yeah, I so we have a I have a friend of mine that, was struggling with pornography. We, we introduced him to the biblical view of the body. We went through our, our Bible study and we covered all of the basics and, and he became a naturist. And through that process, desexualized his mind pornography no longer had a hold on him. Yeah. Um, he had been able to literally be free of the addiction of pornography for, for over two years. Yeah. And it wasn't even tempted to go back. Right. It just, it just yeah. changed the mindset. I don't need this anymore. There is no, pavlov's dog situation yeah he started dating a girl and um wanted her to share in his naturist beliefs in their home wanted to create a naturist christian home um, raise their kids to not have the struggle as they grew up and and through puberty and teen and then adulthood Mm -hmm. and one of her first questions as we went through the bible on the subject and we talked about what what god has to say about the body her, she, I thought she had what, what I considered a great question was, how do I then show my husband that I have sexual interest? You know, how do I tell him without telling him, hey, you want to do it? Yeah, um, sure. How do I bring the subject up? Yeah. His answer stuck with me to this day. And I'll never forget. He said, put on some clothes.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good
3: point. And, and he yeah. he said, literally, why do you think there is a lingerie industry, right? Yeah. Is that if you want to create sexual interest, put the clothes on, don't take them off. Yeah. For the mindset of the naturist, nudity is now commonplace. It's for everyday activity. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have some sexual, throw, throw a teddy on, throw some lingerie on. So if, yeah. yeah. And and it was funny. I went, oh my word. The advent of clothes, as you mentioned earlier, Frank, creates this curiosity. This I have to see what's behind the scene, what's forbidden, what I'm not allowed to see. And so his suggestion was throw some clothes on. So when you throw lingerie or negligee or or whatever on, then suddenly it's ah. Yeah. So, so we've to your point, we've done the opposite, right? We yeah. put clothes on, we make it more sexual.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well, there you go. Even the Word of God says we can take our clothes off and enjoy clothes for a living. Part two of my interview with Pastor Jim on next week's show. And again, you've been listening to Naked, Nudist, and Naturist, episode 21 today. Thank you for being with us. We really, really enjoy this time together. We look forward to spending time with you on this show and connecting. Nudism. Naked naturism close free living for all of the right reasons you've come to the right place and we certainly enjoy all of the time that we spend together here on the show don't forget to send us a direct message or an email or hit us up on spotify or our website well thank you again for being with us on naked nudist and naturist episode 21 today We give you a brand new show every Saturday morning at 6 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Continue to join us. Check us out on our website, NakedNudistAndNaturist.com, Spotify, Google, Amazon slash Audible, Apple Podcasts, and also on Twitter. You can write us anywhere, anytime, anyplace. And we thank you for being with us today. Plan to join us for every single one of our shows here and have your clothes off when you're listening. We have our clothes off when we're broadcasting, enjoying... The naturist life
0: we celebrate clothes free living for all remember to enjoy being naked and join us again for naked nudists and naturists
1: we drop a brand new show every saturday morning so come back and join us have your clothes off when you do for naked nudists and naturists have a great clothes free day